You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Have you caught a dose of FCS fever? Welcome to the FCS Fever Podcast, a part of the Aaron Torres Media Feed. Now, here's your host of the FCS Fever Podcast, Jeff Colhane. All right, let's fire it up. Let's get it going. I hope everybody had a very happy Thanksgiving, went back for seconds. Heck, maybe even went back for thirds. I hope you did that. I know I did. Welcome to the FCS Fever Podcast. My name is Jeff Colhane. It's an exciting edition of the pod as we take a look at the first round of the 2021 NCAA Division I Football Championship. The FCS playoffs are upon us, and we've got a fun show for you here today. We're going to roll through some of the matchups, going to roll through uh, the meetings here of uh, every first-round game, give you my thoughts, and take a look at which of these first-round teams perhaps has the best chance to make it into the quarterfinal round weekend, maybe even the semifinal round weekend uh, with what their path looks like down the road to Frisco. So we're going to roll through some of that. We've got that for you on the FCS Fever podcast here uh, today. We also will be joined by Eastern Washington radio color analyst Paul Sorensen, who played at Washington State. He played in the NFL. He has some choice words for the FCS playoff committee. Let me just put it like that. I understand the frustration, I uh, suppose, that the folks at Eastern Washington do have. They certainly got put in a position that is uh, very, very difficult, very tough with their path to a national championship and playing at Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. They thought they were a top eight seed. They did not get that. They're hosting here on Saturday, and they've got to play Northern Iowa of all the teams they could play uh, in the first round. And then they're funneled into Montana, potentially funneled into James Madison, and then potentially funneled into the Fargo Dome against NDSU. Best of luck, Eastern Washington, after thinking you were a top eight seed. Yeah, I can see why the Eagles and the folks at EWU are frustrated and not happy with how this thing shook out from the FCS playoff committee. So Paul Sorensen will stop by the program coming up a little bit later on here on the show. All right, but how about a little football music here to get us going? Let's uh, let's let's strike this up. What do you think? Yes, there we go. Let's get right to the games. And you take a look at the game right at the top of the bracket. It's an intriguing one with two programs that know each other very well, two coaching staffs that know each other very well. You've got Stephen F. Austin taking on Incarnate Word at Benson Stadium in San Antonio, Texas. Stephen F. Austin has won five games in a row. They were one of the last few teams in and were able to uh, make their way into the bracket 
because of, uh, I believe, some other teams dropping off on uh, the final day of the regular season on the bubble. But give Kobe Carthol and his staff a lot of credit. They have uh, played very good this year, had a heck of a season, nearly beat Sam Houston without Eric Schmidt in the Battle of the Piney Woods at NRG Stadium down in Houston earlier this season, losing by a point. Um, and they're a tremendous team, a former Southland team in the WAC AQ7, a, a team that used to face their opponent almost every year in Incarnate Word, who, by the way, is going to move on to the WAC AQ7 here very shortly as well. They are excited about it with this Incarnate Word program and hosting this game. The Cardinals are 5-0 at home this season, and their uh, leadership uh, said, their athletic director, Richard Dunn, said that they did everything they could to try and host this game. And so, of course, you got to guarantee a bid to the NCAA for an undisclosed payout for the right to host the game. Saturday's game will be the first time that Benson Stadium is back to full capacity as well of about 6,000 spectators. And their goal is trying to obviously fill the seats. Duran called Saturday by far the biggest game in Benson Stadium history and did acknowledge the program may have to push as hard as we can to pack the venue during Thanksgiving weekend. This is a piece from the San Antonio Express News. Also, head coach Eric Morris, who has been on the pod in weeks past, uh, said this, hopefully our student body will be able to come back to town early. He says, coach said he's going to buy their tickets for them if they need tickets. I want them back at all costs. So they're trying to do whatever they can for this matchup at Benson Stadium this weekend to pack that place and make it a great home field advantage for Eric Morris and for the Cardinals. Stephen F. Austin has won five of the six meetings between the schools, but Incarnate Word's win was a lone matchup at Benson Stadium during Morris's tenure, a 31-17 victory back in 2018. A lot of crossover here. A lot of these staffs work together at Texas A&M Commerce of D2 Power, and Morris also told the San Antonio Express News that he and Kobe Carthel are both natives of small towns in West Texas. Both took their first FCS head coaching jobs in 2018. Morris as well mentioned not happy that the selection committee took that regionalized approach by putting the three Texas programs in the same portion of the bracket. Yeah, I'm with the coach. Get in line. That is uh, unfortunately what the committee is tasked with with this regionalization. This is going to be a fun game. Two teams that know each other very well, even though they're not in the same league. I'm going to go with Incarnate Word in this game at home. A lot of juice around this one. I think Eric Morris is doing a great job with this program. And I'm a big Cam Ward fan as well, their quarterback at Incarnate Word. So I think Incarnate Word wins this game. And then they have the right then, earn the right, to go play at number one, Sam Houston. All right, moving down, UT Martin, what a year for the Skyhawks. A tremendous season. They win the Ohio Valley Conference. Did lose their last game of the regular season to SEMO. So not coming in on a perfect clip overall, but I think that's okay. Missouri State under Bobby Petrino is a tremendous team out of the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And a tip of the cap to Coach Petrino and his staff for what they have done uh, here over the last couple of seasons. Jason Shelley just named the Offensive Player of the Year in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, the Newcomer of the Year in the Missouri Valley Football Conference as well. And they have got one heck of a set of wide receivers. Tyrone Scott, Xavier Lane, Jordan Murray, all very, very talented, very good, perhaps the best trio of receivers in the Valley. Give me Missouri State at home, their first home game in the FCS playoffs in over 31 years. There you go. Bears went at home. They then had to take on Montana State. 
Moving down, you've got Sacred Heart out of the NEC taking on Holy Cross out of the Patriot League. That's a regionalized first-round matchup. The committee has those parameters placed upon them. Give me Holy Cross in this game. I know that there are uh, some very good backs that Sacred Heart boasts. Even when Julius Chestnut went down earlier this year, Holy Cross has some impressive wins early in the season at Monmouth and also uh, at UConn earlier this year. I'll take the Crusaders with the win over Sacred Heart on Saturday at home for the right to take on number five seed Villanova. And then Dykow Stadium on Saturday afternoon, South Dakota State, who has as much talent as any team in this bracket, although they have suffered from complacency and lack of consistency and some injuries for sure as well here this season. South Dakota State has everybody back outside of Mark Radowski, but they hit a home run with Chris Oladokun, the Sanford transfer, who has had a tremendous season at quarterback for SDSU. Uh, South Dakota State has all they need. They've got everything they need to make a run to Frisco on the top side of the bracket. Do they have the gas left in the tank because they're going to be road warriors as a team off of Thanksgiving, funneled into number four Sacramento State second round matchup. UC Davis, I really like Yolanzo Gilliam. I think he's a tremendous back who's put up some huge numbers. Dan Hawkins is a fantastic coach. I don't like how UC Davis has lost each of their last two games to uh, Eastern Washington and to Sacramento State as well. Uh, So I'll, I'll take South Dakota State at home, outside, chilly weather. UC Davis coming from Northern California. They'll try to obviously run the football with Gilliam, but they lean on the passing game quite a bit as well. SDSU, their lines of scrimmage should dictate the tempo of this game. I got the Jackrabbits winning this one and then moving on to face Sacramento State next Saturday night. Hey, college football is rolling. Our partners at DraftKings Sportsbook have an incredible offer for college football fans. For new users, bet $1, just $1 on any game. And if your team scores one point, you get $100 in free bets. That's right. You heard that correctly. $1, one game, $100 in free bets. Here's what you do. Click the link in the show description. Sign up for a new account with DraftKings Sportsbook and make your first deposit. Make a $1 bet on any team. And if your team scores one point, you get an automatic $100 thanks to our friends at DraftKings. It's the best offer going in sports betting, so act now. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Or call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. 21 and older, 18 and older in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit. Minimum $1 wage. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Uh, you heard me talk about before on the shows, on the podcast, that this matchup in Cheney this weekend is the best uh, matchup. It's uh, on paper, on whatever color turf you want to play on. This is going to be a phenomenal game for the FCS playoffs with Northern Iowa and Eastern Washington. And Paul Sorensen stops by, color analyst on the Eastern Washington Radio Network. First off, happy Thanksgiving, my friends. We appreciate your time, obviously. And 
I, I know you guys were looking forward to a weekend off here. Take me through Saturday. You beat Portland State and what the thought was compared to what you saw Sunday afternoon when the bracket was unveiled. Well, I was I was convinced that uh, Eastern was going to get a you know an eight seed and have the weekend off. Uh, you know, I thought there was a good chance that uh, the Big Sky was going to get four seeded teams. You know, along with uh, your, your lovely conference because they're really good. You know, but Larry Weir wasn't so uh, sure of that. He thought uh, you know there was going to be a team being left out, and and with Montana State laying an egg, you know, in the in the brawl of the wild in Missoula and Montana kind of taking them to the woodshed. You know, we really wanted Montana State to win that game, to be honest. And so I think that would allow Eastern then to get in as an AC. And I had plans to go to Nashville to visit uh, my son and his wife for the holidays. So, so much for those plans. They went right out the window. We look forward to, you know, hosting a really – it was funny because we were flying back uh, Sunday morning, so we didn't hear the show until we got off the plane. Oh, and then the phone blew up. And we went, they're hosting who? They're, they're hosting Northern Iowa Saturday? What the hell happened to the seating? And so then, you know, we started scratching our head, and, oh, boy. So that that was a little disappointing. But, hey, it is what it is, and, and the sad part is you've got Northern Iowa that's got a great defense, probably the best at Eastern scene, you know, all year. And if you get past that game, you get to go to Montana, who you've already beaten at home. You're going to Missoula on a Friday night, so you have a short week, and those knuckleheads get two weeks to prepare for it. If somehow can figure out a way to get out of Missoula with a win, you get to look forward to uh, James Madison and Virginia. And if you can beat those guys, then you can look forward to most likely North Dakota State and Fargo. Oh, yeah. What an easy schedule the Eagles have. Holy yeah. yeah. Nice that, job, committee. Well done. That's Holy one of the one of the things here, and uh, that's a big frustration I have with the process. With the parameters put in place from the NCAA, I mean, the regionalization, you don't rank things out. Um, Eastern really got did dirty here uh, with being look being the nine seed, which I think they would be if you rank this thing one through twenty four, and they're certainly more than worthy of being a top eight seed. The first round opponent and the path. I, I don't think anybody else has been done the way Eastern Washington got got did, if you will, Paul, by the committee with how they put this thing together with the parameters in place. Well, and you know, Jeff, that I, I appreciate your you know looking into this thing and your honesty on that. And I would agree with you. When you look at Northern Iowa, they are really good on defense. I mean, I, Omar Brown, their corner is is a legit dude. Their their front seven is as good as anybody they they you know that we've played against. And you know, and they're number one in the nation in turnovers. Eastern's number three in turnover margin. So they have so many different things. But I will say this: the caveat on the other side is is as good as Northern Iowa is on the defensive side, I don't think they faced an offense as good as Eastern Washington. So having this game at home, but the Eagles are only 1-6 in, in the seven games that they played Northern Iowa, and they're 0-3. Now, the last time they played Northern Iowa in the playoffs was 2005, and they lost that game, and then they had one in the 80s and one in the 90s. So, uh, you know, that it, it, it was tough. And I remember that first-round game, it took us three hours to get out of there because the plane – had some mechanical issues, and so we got home at like 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, after losing, uh, you know, back there. And it, it just, it, it, it's just a tough deal, and it's, it's a tough deal because, if anything, my understanding on how they've seeded things in the past is you try to play teams, especially in league. We played Montana, okay? We haven't played Sac State. So why not ship Eastern off to Sac State and have a chance to play those guys who had the softest schedule in the Big Sky Conference? They won the league, congratulations, but they only, you know, their two big wins were Davis, which is a you know half an hour bus ride, 
and and they beat Montana in Montana without their starting quarterback. Montana's quarterback was hurt. That was the game after Eastern uh, beat them, you know, uh, in Cheney. So they it, it it was significantly different on strength of schedule along those lines. And I think the four teams, you know, really in the mix were the three teams that were seeded, and then Eastern if they're a nine or a ten, you know, seed on that front. But I just I can't believe that they're gonna they're gonna ship them a team as good as Northern Iowa, you know, out to Cheney to play in the first round. Yeah, that's a tough match. There, there's no question about it. That is a very tough match. And I think, you know, going through what I know, the first thing the committee tries to do is they get the top two right to get home field, and then they want to get the top eight right overall with the seeding, and then from there they funnel it in. But you're right, they, what they could have done if you're going back now and, and we're playing armchair quarterbacks on you know late in the week after the things unveiled on Sunday, I, I, I think you're right. I, I think, look, if Eastern's one of the top eight and if they're nine or ten, kind of funnel them to Sacramento State if you're trying to keep it a little bit more regionalized because those two teams didn't play during the year. Exactly. You know, so that that would have been fair. So now all of a sudden you have Montana that gets the week off because they're not playing Saturday. Davis and, uh, you know, and Eastern are the two teams that are having to play Saturday. And, and then they'll ship Davis out, you know, their bracket. That side is, is pretty good. I, I would have liked to have been on, on that side of the bracket. But, but to go then and, and have to play Montana on a short week. And here's the other thing. They, they said that the committee came out and said, well, there was a scheduling issue. So Eastern and Montana couldn't play Saturday. Well, the scheduling issue is a women's basketball game at 2 o'clock. So they, they said they didn't have enough administrators. And I know Lynn Hickey was absolutely furious when she found that out, you know, from that standpoint, because that's a disservice. One, it's going to be cold as heck in Missoula Friday night at 7 o'clock. Okay. Two, you're going to tell me that, uh, you know, and, and again, Title IX, totally understand all that stuff. But if you're looking at an NCAA national playoffs and those kinds of things, I think you'd want to have a marquee game on a Saturday afternoon, you know, along those lines. And so I think that was the other little little sliver under the frickin' fingernail that, that really drives, you know, a lot of folks here. But let's be honest. If you want to win a national championship, you got to beat the best. Anybody that's going to come out of this bracket, I think this bracket by far is the toughest when you look top to bottom, no question. So whoever comes out, I think, is going to end up winning the, you know, the darn thing down in Frisco. And it most likely will be North Dakota State again. Well, and you guys, you guys have beaten Montana. You won that game earlier in the year. And then you later in the season, you lost at home to Weber State. You lost at home to Montana State. So you have faced physical teams, and you were able to better one of those, Paul, earlier on in the year. Like you said, you're going to have to beat some teams like that again, and they're they're all on your your path here and your blueprint on the road to Frisco overall. Kind of walk me through that game against Montana and what the blueprint was like that night, and how can Eastern sort of duplicate that again multiple times over? Well, and the difference I think between those three games, and I think what what Northern Arizona poses is a really good front seven and in a lockdown corner. But Eastern's got four wide receivers that were that got all Big Sky honors, and they've got the Player of the Year for the second year in a row. You know, and Eric Barrier, who's has as good a year and should win the Walter Payton Award. But if the seeding comes into play, he'll probably end up finishing fifth. So that'll be nice. But uh, but from that standpoint, you probably can't tell that I'm very bitter here, <laughs> even though you know I've got I've got I've got bitter face going right now. But 
I think to answer your question, I think the teams, what they learned from the Montana game is they were able to attack Montana on the outside. Okay, they were able to push the ball downfield. They blitzed 70% of that time in that game, and they caused Eastern problems. Barrier had a couple of huge losses. He tried to make plays, got tackled. I think he had four sacks, and the minimum loss was 14 yards. So he really, and then second half, they cut things down. They widened the field. They started getting the ball out quicker. They started winning the one-on-one matchups. The defense started getting a little bit tired, and and Eastern rolled and and basically blew them out of the water. You know, especially in the fourth quarter. So against uh, Weber State, and you're talking those two losses, four points. Okay, a missed extra point inside a minute to tie the game up against Weber and most likely send that in overtime. And and basically, Montana State was the better team. They, we played right to their strengths, and they field positioned uh, you know, Eastern. Eastern won the turnover battle in that game, but still lost the game. And and yet, Montana State took Eastern apart. You know, they stuffed them on the run, and they were they played very well. Their safeties were as good as anybody Eastern faced, you know, all year. But I think you can attack their corners on the outside. They have, you know, and Montana's got a great corners lead the nation in interceptions. So it'll be an interesting matchup in Missoula. And I don't think Montana's real happy to be playing Eastern again because that's really not a good matchup for them because this offense, I thought, moved the ball very well against the, the Grizz offense and had issue against uh, Weber State and Montana State. Talking with Paul Sorensen, radio color analyst on the Eastern Washington Radio Network. Spent some time in the NFL as a player, a Washington State uh, alum, and uh, knows the game of football inside and out with us uh, on the uh, the pod right now. Um you know, when when you look at the big sky, Paul, this is a tremendous year for this league, without a doubt, with FBS wins, the success early in the season, and obviously the chance to have four seeds in the top eight overall. Which of these four teams in your mind, and I know you want Eastern to get there, but let me maybe the other three I'll ask you. Of the other three, in your opinion, who has the best chance at making some uh, uh, some rumblings happen in the bracket? Well, it's... You know, I'd like to say Eastern. I just don't. I don't see how they can go through that gauntlet. I just. I don't know how they can do it, especially playing those three teams. If they get past Saturday, then having to travel to Missoula, travel to Virginia, and travel to Fargo and get three wins over those guys, I don't see it. I just don't know if they they have. But you know, I think the it's going to be brutal on their body. And and you have to understand, this is game number nineteen for Eastern Washington this year because of the spring skate season and then the fall season. I played, I did fifteen games my senior year, you know, at Washington State. An NFL roster schedule is twenty, not including playoffs. You know, so they're doing an NFL level, you know, process. They're beat up, and and that's the problem. It's been such a long, you know, deal since last spring to where they are now, and now you're going to ramp it up even more with really good teams in the playoffs, and that ferocity goes up about 40%. So I think Eastern's going to have a tough time. I think Sac State's playing pretty well. I think their bracket is a lot more suitable to making a run than either the Montana, Montana State, or the Eastern Washington. So to answer your question, I think Sac State's got a great chance to, to make a nice run. I think I think uh, either Montana, Montana State, whoever can get through you know their, their initial games uh, will make a nice run as well but I, I just think it's gonna be tough for the Eagles All right, I'll give you a little love some love here for Eastern some positivity I think Eric Berrier is gonna win the uh, Walter Payton my friend I think he should oh well, I, I think he should too I, you know the guy that won it in the spring is back and he's leading the nation but you know you just look at the, the numbers that you know what Eric has broken the total offensive record for the big sky at Eastern Matt Nichols he was played up in the CFL he broke that record he broke the passing record that Matt held he broke the touchdown record that Vernon Adams you know held 
he's he's really he's had a goat year. He's played as well as anybody, you know. And and basically, when he's hot, you just can't stop the dude. And I mean, they scored fifty five points and a half. They had almost you know six hundred yards. You know, they had seven hundred yards against Western Illinois, you know, and nearly lost that game because they fell asleep and Barry missed most of the second half because of cramps. So when he's not in the game. It's a significant difference. When he's in the game, Easterns can score on anybody. And I don't care how good your defenses are. They're going to move the ball against you. He just got playmakers and weapons. Tamaric Pierce, the running back who, who was injured all last spring and really started coming back, nearly had a 100-yard game, uh, you know, against, uh, I think that was against, who the heck would, did we, I can't remember. Everything's rolling together. But he played really well, you know. And I, That's what happens when you get old. I'm going to have to go find my, you know, my diapers and, and my, my memory <laughs> stuff here in a, in a second. But, uh, but Tamaric Pierce is back in the middle, and he's a 200-pound, he's about a 215-pound dude at back, you know, to, to kind of help, uh, you know, merit, uh, you know, give, take some pressure off him. And I think those two guys are going to be a big difference. They're going to have to run the ball effectively, but I think he just put the ball in the hands of Barry and let the players make plays. Paul, it's always a pleasure, my man, and uh, we look forward to this matchup on Saturday. Going to be a good one. There's no uh, doubt about it. it it really is. And, you know, me back and the reason you guys, you know, you, you go out and win national championships and you, your conference has done an awesome job. And that's why getting four or five seeded teams, you know, in the top eight, Jeff, you know, it, it's a difference maker for you guys. Eastern and the big sky are on that cusp of being good again, you know, as a conference and maybe getting to the point where people won't say, oh, they shouldn't have four teams in the top eight. This year was one of those years I thought they should have had four teams in the top eight, to be, you know, to be honest. So thank you so much for the opportunity. A very happy Thanksgiving to your listeners, uh, to the Bison family, and, of course, to your family as well. And uh, we also appreciate having a chance to chat. All right, that's Paul Sorensen. Not a happy Paul Sorensen, but he is uh, kind enough to give us some time as he had a few choice things to say about Eastern Washington and uh, where they are slotted here in the bracket. Look, I understand the frustration, like I said before. I don't blame them. That's a, that's a tough draw. Of any team that had it uh, handed to them pretty tough, uh, certainly Eastern Washington has a little bit of a beef there with the FCS playoff committee. All right, let's roll through the final part of the bracket here and get you set up for the weekend. Florida A&M's at Southeastern Louisiana with the right to, to earn the right to play at third-ranked James Madison. It's been a heck of a season for FAMU. Out of the SWAC, first team from the SWAC since 1997 to get in. I think, unfortunately, for the Rattlers, it will end at Strawberry Stadium against Cole Kelly and this high-flying southeastern Louisiana offense. Give me the Lions to move on. They then will face number 3 James Madison next Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. That Eastern Washington-Northern Iowa game, it is the best of the weekend on paper. And look, here's the deal with Northern Iowa. I could see them winning this game by two touchdowns. I could also see them get beat by 40. I'm not kidding. I'm not being facetious. You and I is a roller coaster and got in at 6-5 and five with the help of plenty of other teams that had their bubbles burst last Saturday. But Northern Iowa can win this game, and this is a contest where Eastern Washington is facing a very physical front and a UNI team that wants to run the ball and try and do some things there to set up play action for Theo Day and another very, very solid UNI offensive attack. Can Northern Iowa get to Eric Berrier and force him into some tough decisions? That is going to be the question 
in this game. Does Eric Berrier have some juice left in the tank? I think he's the Walter Payton Award winner. Uh, He should win it here this fall. He's had a tremendous season, and he has led Eastern Washington to a 9-2 record this season. The winner of this one will take on Montana at Washington Grizz Stadium next Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. local time. This one's a coin flip. Uh, I'll tell you that. It certainly is a coin flip. Northern Iowa at Eastern Washington. Give me you and I. I'll take Northern Iowa to win this game. Physicality is something that Eastern Washington has struggled with. Northern Iowa has that, and they have two very good, more than two. They've got a tremendous defensive front, some very good linebackers. Jared Brinkman's the defensive player of the year in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Back-to-back seasons, he's done that. Spring into the fall. Tim Butcher, very good. Caden Hotelling, very good. And Spencer Cuvalier and company in that linebacker core. Uh, They are going to try and slow down the high-flying, up-tempo attack for Eastern Washington. I'll take Northern Iowa. Theo Day cannot turn the football over. That's a big part of this in this contest. Give me Northern Iowa to win. All right, the final two slots. Davidson's at Kennesaw State. Two pretty unique offenses going head-to-head. Kennesaw State's had a tremendous season, winning the Big South with an unbeaten record there. 10-1. 10-1. Some thought that they may get a top 8 seed, but they do have a non-Division 1 win uh, here this season overall. Davidson out of the Pioneer Football League. Some people feel like with Kennesaw State's rushing defense and their unique offensive style that the Owls perhaps are a team to watch out for if you're ETSU in the second round. Give me Kennesaw State at home to win this game over Davidson out of the Pioneer Football League. And let that matchup commence next Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time in Johnson City, Tennessee. And another coin flip game in Vermilion, Southern Illinois at South Dakota, Dakota Dome, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. local time in Vermilion, South Dakota. USD is hosting their uh, first ever playoff game. I would have to go back and uh, think about when the last time USD hosted a playoff game Probably would have to be in the 80s if I'm thinking out loud here in their old Division II days. The winner has the right to take on North Dakota State at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 local next Saturday at the Fargo Dome. Southern Illinois has lost three of their last four games. They've got all the talent in the world. They have tremendous players, Nick Baker, Javon Williams Jr., Landon Lenore, Avante Cox. The, the list goes on and on and on. Anthony Knighton, Bryce Notree. They've got household names in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, yet something is going on there. They're leaking oil right now. you got 16 sixth-year seniors who may just be tired of playing. I don't know. They lost to Youngstown State last weekend, a bad Youngstown State team by nearly three scores at home on senior day. Give me USD for the win at home in a close game, sending the Coyotes back up to NDSU to face the the Bison for the second time in a three-week period. All right, there you go. That's going to do it for us, the FCS Fever Podcast. My name is Jeff Colhane. Subscribe, like, comment. You know the drill. Can't wait to see the matchups on Saturday, first round of the FCS playoffs, and we'll uh, check in with a recap early next week from what we witnessed over the weekend. Have a great weekend of watching the postseason, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.